Good to see you uh, on this Revival Sunday. Uh, what a great day it is to be together to worship. We have a welcome, uh, we were able to welcome here Rudy and Judy Allen from Oxford Baptist. So give them a warm First Southern welcome. So I know we're going to be blessed by a faithful word this morning. Looking forward to that. Also, we want to invite you tonight at 6 p.m. as Pastor Tim Smith will be here to preach and be uh, in prayer for Brother Greg as well as he's right now preaching uh, down in, what's the name? Trenton. Blanked out. Trenton. So be in prayer for him as he's preaching this morning in Trenton. At 6 o'clock afterwards, there's going to be a fellowship. So bring uh, sandwiches and desserts as we prepare for a great after uh, revival fellowship tonight. Um, next Saturday uh, at 8 a.m., be here if you can next Saturday at 8 a.m., to pass out bags with uh, this gospel information. So here's the backstory. Wendy Mann had come to Brother Greg and said, hey, I'd love to put together some packets for the vendors at the Black Walnut Festival. And so we're going to, at Hope for Kids meeting this Wednesday, we're going to be doing that. We're going to be stuffing the bags for the vendors, and we need as many helpers as we can next Saturday at 8 o'clock to pass those out. So if you could be here, or if you could uh, see Wendy... Uh, if you want to help, that way we'll know how many we have, and then be ready to serve on that day. That'd be great. As well as um, the Black Walnut Festival relates to church, we need as many people uh, as can come to the early service next week as possible. So the reason for that is parking um, is always kind of an issue, uh, I believe. Is that the main yes. parking? So if you can come to the early service, that's going to really help free up some of the parking around the side streets once the festival kind of opens up later on. So obviously, if you can't do that, we're still going to have the second service, uh, and, and we'll welcome you here. But if you can, come to the early. Uh, this is a praise. Sandy George is improving and was here in the early service. So, so that's a huge praise.
All right, and then we want to uh, have a special moment of prayer at this time for Israel. We, we are all well aware now that um, that area of the world is in uh, utter war at this, t- at this point, and it can cause us to get nervous and, and fear and doubt, and so uh, let's dedicate a time here of prayer. So what I'm going to do is invite anybody that can come forward to, to kind of come forward here. Let's line up and maybe kneel down and pray. Um, and if you are unable to come forward or just want to stay where you're at, that's fine. But let's all bow and uh, invite people to come. I think we'll have some music at this time. And uh, we'll have a moment here of a personal pause and prayer. There are no doubt hundreds and thousands of saints around the world praying uh, at this time. We want to lift our voices with them. So I encourage everyone to to say a prayer aloud um, right now for Israel. Ask God to be with them. Comfort the hearts of those who are lost and ask God to help us rely on him for answers as we move forward. Let's lift our voices. Lord, we thank you for your goodness and your mercy. And though at times when the world around us seems to slip into chaos and disorder, we know that you are still a God of order and a plan. And so, Lord, we submit to your sovereign plan with Israel this morning. We, we know what the Bible has to say. We know that you uh, regard Israel as your chosen nation, that, that Jerusalem is a special place for the end of times. And so, Lord, we submit to you as ruler and Lord of our lives, King over all things, sovereign over all future events. And though there is disorder, we trust in you. But Lord, we also want to pray for the families of those who have been killed and uh, the military in Israel as they are fighting back against this evil. Lord, strengthen and lift up the people of Israel this morning. And Lord, I pray for any born-again believers that are living in Israel, that you would allow them to cling to Jesus as the author and perfecter of our faith in this very dark and scary time over there. Lord, we ask you to encourage them. We pray for our service today, that you would bless it in a mighty way, that you would allow Brother Rudy to speak boldly and clearly, and the gospel would move freely throughout this place. Lord, we thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As you're returning to your seats, Uh, We want you to look to your right or left and see if anybody's here that you maybe haven't uh, met yet.
Give him a warm welcome. All right. Before we continue in worship, a couple more announcements um, were brought to me. First, continue to bring in uh, candy for the Trunk or Treat event. Uh, there's been a lot brought in, but we do need as much and more as you can bring. We have a lot of trick-or-treaters that come through. Uh, moving on to the fellowship tonight, if there's any uh, that can stay after this service and head over to the fellowship hall to help us set up tables and chairs, that would be really um, welcome. Helpful. There we go. I was just like blanking out on a word there. Okay, and then the final one. If you're in the choir, we are going to have choir practice tonight after the uh, revival service. But what we're going to ask those members to do is, uh, this is from Marsha here, eat real quick. Okay, like the first 10 minutes, maybe let the choir members go to the front of the line. I know that sounds usually not what we do. Uh, respect the gray hair. That's what I was taught growing up, right? I, that's what I was taught growing up. Oh, come on. That's what I was taught. Not a disrespectful thing. Respect the seniors. Let's say the seniors. Is that better? Silver-haired saints. There's a better way to say it. My apologies. I feel like I'm having a rough day with saying things the right way. Um, so anyway, uh, after, the, uh, after the service, go over there if you're in the choir. First 10 minutes, eat, and then come back over for practice. I'm going to sit down now, and you guys are going to sing. And that's actually per Brother Greg, Okay. sweet the sound that is saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. T'was grace that taught my heart
Takes away my sin. 
shedding of blood. There's no remission of sin, no forgiveness. We thank you this morning for that blood. May your will be done in the remainder of this service. May lives be changed in your word. In Christ's name I pray. And everyone said, amen. Children's Church. Right, Cody? All right. We got it right. I don't know if they're following Cody. They're fo- they know where they're going. They obviously know where they're going, it looks like. All right. Well, as I shared in the first service, I'm going to share the same in the second service. Maybe a little different. Maybe the same. I don't know. doesn't matter, really, as long as it's the Word of God. I'm going to be sharing mostly with believers today. If you're here today and you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, according to the Scripture, you have a hope. The old hymn, My Hope is Built on Nothing Less Than Jesus' Blood and Righteousness. I quoted it a while ago. Isn't that true? My hope is built on nothing less. Well, there's a hope within us, a hope. The word means a feeling of trust or expectation or to anticipate. And I shared in the first service, my sister's here at this service, she she'll, she'll, can relate to this, that my brother Jerry and I, and Jerry went on to be with the Lord, oh, a year ago, a little over a year ago. And then Gary, my other brother, just, just died uh, in uh, July. But Jerry and I as kids, and we were put in the basement, and there was a reason the boys were put in the basement. The girls got to sleep upstairs. The guys had to sleep in the basement, okay? And there was 10 of us. I don't know if we were all 10 home at the same time, but there were seven or eight of us home at, at the same time. So the men or the boys, they slept in the basement. Well, we had those old porcelain pull chain lights. You guys remember those, the old porcelain ones? Some of you may have them in your barns or your garages now. And in anticipation of Christmas, because we would open our Christmas presents on Christmas morning, not Christmas Eve, as we evolved, I don't like to use that word, uh, and, and grew and, and, and come together as families later in life, we started opening them on Christmas Eve. And on Christmas Day, that's when we would usually open our gifts as a family living at home. So we would, Jerry and I would get in front of that light bulb, and usually they were 60 watt or whatever they were, and we'd put our hands right up in that light bulb, open our eyes real wide, and try to get sleepy like some of you are now. Try to get sleepy, that, hoping that light would make our eyes tired and we'd go to sleep because when you go to sleep, what happens? Time passes faster, right? 
right? So that's what we used to do, anticipating Christmas morning or expecting uh, maybe a gift, okay? So hope is a feeling of trust or expectation or to anticipate. This church is called the Corner of Hope. And I ask you this morning, what does that mean? Well, I think it means that people trust you in the community, that people expect you to give them hope in this community. They rely on you as a church. In 1 Peter, Peter writes a letter to the believers who had been dispersed throughout the ancient world and were under intense persecution. If you want to turn to 1 Peter 3, you can. If anyone understood persecution, it was Peter. He was beaten, he was threatened, he was punished, and he was jailed for preaching the word of God. He knew what it took to endure without bitterness and without losing hope and having a great, living, alive, active faith in his Lord and how to live a victorious life even in the midst of persecution. Since the believer's address were suffering suffering escalating persecution, the purpose of this letter was to teach them how to live victoriously in the midst of hostility without losing hope, without losing hope, without becoming bitter, while trusting in the Lord and looking forward in this passage to his return or to his second coming. Peter's encouraging believers not to lose hope in the midst of their suffering. And if I want to do anything today, it's encourage you as believers in Jesus Christ of the hope that lives within you. And I'm going to share four passages. And by the way, Judy, your secretary, uh, made copies of my notes this morning. And and if you need one, uh, if you can't write them down, she will give them to you. She made uh, several copies. I don't know. Judy's probably left. Did she left? I don't know if she left. She probably left. She was at the early service. But you can see Judy because she said some folks had asked for some of those. But Peter's encouraging believers not to lose hope in the midst of their suffering. We all go through suffering, all of us. We're not exempt from it, amen? And if you, now, the more you say amen, the faster I preach. The less time you're here, amen? All right, I love y'all. All right, if you would, let's talk about the hope within us. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 12, are you there? All right. And who is he? Nope, oh, back up, verse 12. For the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are upon their prayers. How comforting is that? The eyes of the Lord, the all-seeing eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous. Well, who's the righteous? Those that have trusted Christ as their Savior, the believer, right? The eyes, his eyes are on the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers. It sounds like God wants to be involved in your life to me, the way I read that passage. He wants to hear from you. He wants to see you. But the face of the Lord is against those that do evil. And who is he, listen to this, this is a question, verse 13. Who is he that will harm you if you be followers of that which is good, some versions say, or of God? Who's going to harm you? I like Paul's letter in Romans, chapter 8. If God be for us, who can be against us? If God's in your corner, who's going to whip you? Who's going to overcome you? Who's going to defeat you? If God is for us, who can be against us? Now, that's a good question, verse 13. But if you suffer for righteousness' sake, and I shared this this morning, this rubs us the wrong way as human beings, happy are you. Wait a minute, preacher. You're saying when I'm going through tough times, I'm supposed to be happy? I'm supposed to be joyful? 
That's exactly what I'm saying. Jesus said before he left this earth, in this world, you're going to have trouble. You're going to have tribulation. You're going to have heartache. And then he says in the last sentence of that verse in John, but be of good cheer, right? Don't worry about it. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Wow. Wow. So can we be, in, can we be happy? Can we be content? Can we be glorious in times of tribulation? Yes, we can. Be not free of, afraid of their terror or their threats, neither you be troubled or shaken. But sanctify, here we go, sanctify, this is probably my, my vocal verse today, hallow the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer or a defense to every man that asks you of a reason of the hope, a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Anybody ever been caught off guard? Somebody asks you a question, bam, you just, whoa, you know. But it seems like it's our nature, though, when sometimes we're asked questions, especially if it goes against our grain or something we don't agree with. We can answer one real quick. We can come back, right? We can come right. My wife is professional at that. Bam, right now, man, I want us to be ready to give an answer for the hope that was in within us. Look at verse 15 closely as I kind of break it down. Peter says, sanctify the Lord in your heart. Hallow him. Consecrate him. Reverence him, that is Christ, as the Lord of your life. You see, he's not just our Savior, folks. He is our Lord and Savior. And that word translated in the Greek, Lord, means master. How many of you were in the early service this morning? Some of you? Who was in the early service? Some of you were, I think. No? Oh, good. So you can't tell on me. I said something about Judy, my wife. I always pick on her, and she says I always pick on her. Well, Judy, let me give you this picture, man, especially you men here this morning, you husbands. She's my boss. She's not my Lord, but she's my boss. And that's what that word means, master, Lord of your life. All right. Sanctify the Lord God in your heart, hallow him, consecrate him, reverence him as the Lord of your life. And then he says in the next part of that verse, be ready always, be prepared. Don't be caught off guard to give an answer. And that phrase to give an answer in the Greek is apologia. Apologia is where we get our word, English word, apologetics. Apologetics means to give a verbal defense of what you believe and why you believe it. You with me? A verbal defense of what you believe and why you believe it. And that's, that, that comes natural to some of us in some arenas of life. Somebody mentioned a while ago about me preaching, how long I'm going to preach. I said, well, the longer I, you know, the more amens I get, the less I preach. But they said something about a football game after a while. Now, if I said something bad about the Bengals, y'all be, oh, no, Joe Burrow, he's ready to go. You'd have something, to, a, a defense, right? A verbal defense of why you have this hope is what Peter's talking about here in verse 15. A reason for the hope that is in you. Why do you have such a hope in the midst of persecution? Who or what is your hope in? And lastly, when you give an answer of that hope, do it with an attitude of humility and awe. And awe. Not proud, not arrogantly, but in humility and awe of what Christ has done for you. 
He is our hope, you know. He is our hope. So today, are you as believing Christians ready and prepared to give an answer to any man when you walk out these doors, maybe in the Black Walnut Festival coming up? Don't think, I, I'm from Camden. Don't think I don't know that what's going on next weekend, okay? I might even sneak up here. Right, David? You're looking at me cross-eyed. Maybe not. Next week, you can give an answer to any man for the hope that is in you. And before we dismiss today, I pray you'll be equipped to give that answer, a verbal defense, a verbal defense for the hope you possess in Jesus Christ. You may want to write these down. If not, I think Judy, is it Judy Michael? Yeah, she, she made some copies earlier today. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Romans chapter 5. When you get there, say amen and say it loud because I've got bad hearing. Judy calls it selective hearing. I don't know what that means. Romans 5, amen. Romans 5, the hope that is in me is that I am justified by faith in Jesus Christ. Because of this truth, because I am justified in Christ and not myself, not my works that I can boast in, because I am justified in Jesus Christ, I have peace. I have peace because I'm justified in Christ. My hope is in Christ, not in me. Romans 5.1 says, therefore, Paul says, being justified, and that word means to be made innocent or blameless by faith or by assurance. We have peace or rest with God. How? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So I stand faultless, justified before God in Christ. In other words, God imputed Christ's righteousness to me. I don't stand in my righteousness. Romans 3 says I have no righteousness. Amen? I stand before God in the righteousness of his Son. That's my hope. That's my hope. And that's your hope as a believer in Christ. By whom also, that is Christ, we have access by faith into this grace, the unmerited favor of God, or undeserved favor of God, wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. I shared in the early service, I studied many religions years and years and years ago. Every religion I studied except Christianity required human beings to work for their salvation. God says you can't. God says to humankind, you can't be good enough to get to me. It's impossible. So he clothed himself in flesh, come to this earth as a babe, lived a sinless, perfect life, died and was resurrected. The Pentecostal is going to come out in a minute. Died and was resurrected, and he's at the right hand of the Father. And God took the righteousness of his Son through everyone who called upon the name of Jesus and imputed that righteousness to you and I. What a hopeful salvation that is. My destiny does not depend on what I do. It depended on what he done. Past tense. Amen? All right. Not only so, verse 3, but we glory. Here is another thing that rubs us the wrong way. We glory or rejoice in tribulation. 
I am so glad my dog got run over and my pickup truck quit running. That's country, right? That country? I'm so glad my dog got killed, ran over in my pickup truck, quit running. That's silly, silly. But sometimes in life, and there's tragedies in our lives. Don't get me wrong, and I'm, I, I don't mean to make light of that. But my hope is in someday that's going to pass, right, in this life. And, and usually, at least in my life from experience, it does because I have a hope that God loves me and he'll never forsake me. He'll never leave me. So we glory in tribulations or trials, also knowing that tribulation or trials produces patience or perseverance. And perseverance, experience or character. And experience or character produces hope. Verse 5, And hope maketh not ashamed, is what the King James says. Another version says, Hope does not disappoint. You're never going to be disappointed as long as your hope and faith and trust is in Jesus Christ. You'll never be disappointed. You may be hurt. You may have trials. You may have tribulations. But when your hope is in Christ and you're standing on that solid rock, nothing, nothing can come against you. You have that hope. Hope make it not ashamed or does not disappoint because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given to each one of us. The moment you're saved, Jesus said the Holy Ghost comes. The Holy Spirit comes and lives in you for the rest of your human life. He leads you and guides you into all truth. And folks, I don't care what the world says or this country says or our government says, right here is truth. This is truth. And I hope in the Word of God. Don't you? All right. I am justified by faith in Jesus Christ because of this truth. In Romans 5, I have peace. Now, if you would, turn to Colossians chapter 1. I don't know what page that is. I'll tell you when I get there. Colossians chapter 1, verse 17. It's on page 1862, if that helps you at all. Colossians chapter 1, verse 17. By Christ's sacrifice here in, at the church of Colossae, I am made holy, I am faultless, I am blameless, I am righteous in God's eyes. My hope is in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Verse 17 says, And he that is Christ is before all things, and by him that is Christ all things remain or consist. And he that is Christ is the head of the body, the church. You know, Greg and I have had this conversation a few times, and my wife will tell you this. The head of Oxford Baptist Church is not the pastor. The head the corner of Hope Church is not the pastor. Greg will tell you that. He's the, he, he's the pastor, yes. He is the pastor. But he's not the head of the church. Christ is the head of the church. Amen? He's the head of the church, the body, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, in verse 18, that in all things he, that is Christ, might have the preeminence or might be uh, high-ranking or, or, or most influential, if you want to put it that way. For it pleased the Father that in him, that is Christ, should all fullness or completeness dwell. Did you know you're complete in Christ? When you come to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, your salvation is complete. Well, what does that mean? That means there ain't nothing you can do to keep it. That means it's in him and him alone. Now, I said this in the early service, I'll say it again. I believe, as believers in Christ, that we are to produce good works. We're to produce good works. 
Our works don't save us. Our works don't keep us. But as a result of being a Christian, as a result of being saved, Christ produces good works in us. The Holy Spirit works through us, and we produce good works. Okay? You with me? All right. And having made peace, verse 20, through the blood of his cross, and peace, the word here in the Greek means harmony, quietness, tranquility, freedom. How many folks today in our nation lack peace? Would love to have the peace some of you and I have. All the mess that's in just in our own country. All the junk that's being taught to our kids. Yet I have a peace. I have a peace that God is in control. It may not seem like it. And just remember, this world is not our home. Amen? I'll, I'll, I'll touch on that a little bit later. I have made peace by the blood of the cross, that is to reconcile all things into himself, that is God, by him, that is Christ. I say, whether they be things in the earth or things in heaven, and you that were sometimes alienated or separated from God and enemies in your mind by your wicked works, your wicked deeds, yet now hath he reconciled. I think the implication here is the Colossae church was trying to work the way to heaven. Paul said, not going to happen. Not going to happen. Your hope is in Christ and what he done on the cross. In the body of his flesh, through death, verse 22, to present you holy and unblameable or faultless and unreprovable in his sight. Think about that. When I look at my own life, I examine myself, especially if you look at 1 Corinthians, I believe it's chapter 11, when Paul tells, he's talking about leading up to the Lord's Supper communion, and he talks about examining yourself. You ever examine yourself and find out that you come up short spiritually quite a bit sometimes? I think sometimes if we try to live up to God's standards, we get burned out. God, I've done everything I can. God, I've done everything that you've asked me to do. God, I've done this. God, I've done that. God, I've done this. And God, I just seem to fall short. You know what? You're absolutely right. We do fall short in ourselves. It's by grace that we're saved through faith. Not of works, but that faith will produce works, like James said, so it should. i got to hurry up. Yo, somebody's water here. I'm kicking all over the place. All right, I'll clean it up later, Martha, okay? All right, where did I leave off with? What verse, Judy? Verse 23. If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the what? You tell me. What's that word? Hope. The hope of the gospel. The gospel, the word, just simply means good news. And I shared this morning, early in the early service, well, if there's good news, there must be some bad news somewhere. Well, what's the bad news? Well, according to Scripture in Romans chapter 3 and many other places, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. We are separated God from God eternally. We have no hope. We have no chance. We have no way to get to the Father. As a matter of fact, Jesus put it this way, in John chapter 14, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. 
We are eternally separated, hopeless, helpless, cannot get back to God in any way. So he made a way. He made a way. He sent his son into the world to save the world. And Paul put it this way, of sinners of who I am chief. And I feel that same way. I can relate to Paul. Whom I am chief. So, we have that hope of the gospel, the good news that Christ come to save the sinner. The gospel which ye have heard and now was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof Paul said, I am made a minister. So in Colossians, we see that by Christ's sacrifice, we are made holy, we are presented faultless, we are presented blameless, and we are presented righteous in God's eyes through the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. No other way. No other way. So, so far, are you getting the picture maybe a little bit? Where's our hope? Is it in us? Is it in what we do? No, it's in the blood that Marsha and the girls just sung about. The blood, the blood of Christ. All right, turn with me to Titus chapter 2. My hope is in someday, soon, Christ is coming back for me. Someday soon, Christ is coming back for me. Titus, what did I say? Chapter 2, verse 11. When you get there, say amen. I do that in my church. That way I know everybody's on, on page, okay? And say it loud where I can hear you, because I'm deaf in one ear and can't hear out the other. I just had my eyes checked last week, and he said there's nothing wrong with my ears. Some of them is paying attention. Titus chapter 2, verse 11. My hope is in some day soon Christ is coming back for me. This world is not my home. Amen. Titus chapter 2, verse 11. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared unto all men. Grace, the undeserved, unmerited favor of God. And I said this earlier. Grace is getting something you don't deserve. Mercy is not getting something you do deserve. Think about that. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared unto all men. And I shared earlier, I, I talked on nature revealing the very existence of God just a few weeks ago in our church. You can't walk out here, especially this time of year, and drive outside of Camden in these wooded areas around here and just see the glory of God in the leaves even, even in the leaves, much less the sunrise, the sunset, the stars, the moon, and everything else that's, it, it, that, that he's created it declares, listen, and that word glory means the existence of God. It declares the existence of God. And the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared unto all men in one way or another, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly or of a sober mind, righteously and godly in this present world. In other words, if we're Christians, let me just say we ought to act right. Amen? There's times we don't, but for the most part, we ought to act like believers in Jesus Christ. We ought to be examples to others. Amen? Looking for that blessed hope. There's that word again. That blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Marcia, you guys played that song a while ago. Midnight cry. I hear the sound of a mighty rushing wind. And it's closer now than it's ever been. The return of Jesus Christ. 
was coming for us. He said he'd come back, and he's coming back. I'd put it this way in the old days. He said he's coming back, Jack. Amen? So some of you, some of you hippies don't remember, may all remember that. I don't know. But, but I remember that. He's coming back, Jack. And I have a hope in his return. Looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of the great God and Savior Jesus Christ who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all lawlessness or iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar, some of your translations say special, people eager to do good works. We should be eager to do good works because of who we are in Christ. His righteousness produces good works in our lives. Amen? All right. And you're a peculiar people. Now, some of you are kind of weird looking. They never have me back now, will they, Marcia? That's it. I'm done. Greg's going to hear about this. But you're all special. You're all special in God's eyes. He loved you so much. And somebody said this earlier I was talking to. Just like you are. Just like you are, he guides you. You can't clean your life up and come to Christ. You come to Christ with a repentant heart, and he'll clean your life up. Amen? I believe you ought to repent, yes, and repentance means to turn away. But Christ will do all that. If you come to him in faith, he will clean you up. He will do it. All right, he gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify us and make us a special people. Paul tells Titus in the last verse of that chapter, verse 15, these things, Titus, these things, Rudy, these things, Tim, these things, Brother Greg, speak, proclaim, preach, and encourage and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise you. My hope According to Titus here, is someday, soon, Christ is coming back for me. This world is not my home. And to be honest with you, as much as I know and love some of you, my wife, my sister, and others that are here, I can't wait to get to glory. Can you? I don't like the process. Anybody like the process? But it's going to happen. It's appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. But I have a hope that someday Christ is coming back after me and I'm going to inherit eternal life through him. All right, speaking of that, one more passage here. 1 Peter chapter 1. When you get there, say amen. 1 Peter chapter 1. Verse 3. My hope is when uh, Christ does return, I'll receive my inheritance, my eternal retirement plan. You know, I retired 10 years ago, and I've worked harder in these last 10 years than in the 40 years I've spent that pastor. Retirement's not what it's cracked up to be sometimes, you know? And he's back there looking at me and saying, you didn't work hard at that factory. Well, I didn't have to work too hard to, to, to beat that, did I, Anita? Not too much. Verse 3, 1 Peter 1. Blessed be the God and Father 
of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant, more than enough mercy, has begotten us or obtained us again into a living hope. A living, active hope. When something's active in your life, it's alive. The hope that we have in Christ is a living hope. Well, how did we obtain that? Look at the next few words. By the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. What a sad situation to believe in something or someone or person or other that's not alive, that's dead. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 19, I believe, if in this life only we have hope in Christ Jesus, in this life here on earth, we are of all men most pitiful. If our Savior is not alive, according to 1 Corinthians 15, we are still dead in our sins. We have no hope. But, after they crucified him, they buried him. And three days later, something amazing happened. I can see some of your faces starting to smile a little bit. He arose, he arose, hallelujah, Christ arose. Wow, we serve a living Savior. Marcia, he's in the world today. I know that he is living, whatever men may say. I see his hand of mercy. I hear his voice of cheer. At just the time I need him, he's always near. Lives, he lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me. And talk, you know, speaking of walking with me, I'm going to be talking at Tim's church out of Hebrews chapter 11 and 12 in a couple weeks. He walks with me. Part of that passage in Hebrews 11, remember the story of Enoch? He was just kind of walking with God every day. Just walking. God, how you doing? I'm doing all right, Enoch. How you doing? I'm doing all right. Did you see my sunset this morning? Or my sunrise? Yeah, man, that's beautiful, God. Did you see my sunset last night? Yeah, God, that was beautiful. Well, Enoch, it's, it's getting kind of late. Why don't you just go home with me? Okay, Lord, I'll just, I'll just take a walk and Walk right into eternity. And he did. Now that's hard for this old finite mind to comprehend. But the Bible says he was a blessing to God and he walked with God and he was not. Same thing going to happen to us. Except not in this flesh. I don't know if somehow he was transformed, some of you theologians may know, into a glorified body at that moment. But he walked with God and God took him. By the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have a living hope. And because he lives, 
I can face tomorrow because he lives. You can lift up. All fear is gone because I know he holds the future. Listen. And life is worth the living no matter what's going on just because he lives. And then one day, I'll cross that river. I'll fight life's final war with him. And then as death gives way to victory, I'll see the lights of glory, and I'll know my Jesus. If you haven't figured out by now, I love music. I love the songs. I got a big mouth, and no rock going to outdo me. Because the Lord said, if you don't shout, the rocks will outshout you. Amen? We got something to be happy about. We have a hope. All right. By the, by the resurrection of Christ, we have a living hope to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled or pure and that fades not away reserved in heaven for you. I can't even get reservations at a restaurant sometimes. And the king of kings, the creator of the universe, the God of all things has reserved a spot in me for heaven with my name on it through his son, Jesus Christ. Think about that for a minute. You know, the Bible says, Jesus said that when a sparrow falls from the sky, God knows about it. Think about the God, the creator of all the things that you see, knowing your name. That blows my mind. The president of the United States don't know my name. Quite frankly, I don't care if he does. But anyway, he don't know my name. But the God of heaven does know my name and has written it down in the book of life. I said something earlier, I'm going to say it this time. Some of you asked some of the people in the early service about the book of life. Greg and I have had conversations about that. But the book of life, my name is written there, okay? To an inheritance that's incorruptible, undefiled, and fade not away, reserved in heaven for you. I wish Taco Bell took reservations. My wife's shaking her head. I love Taco Bell. You think there'll be one in heaven? Just wondering. I can have that hope, can I, Betty? Those of us who are kept in verse 5 by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed. And the word kept there in the Greek means to guard, to hem in, to protect with a garrison or a troop of angels. You know, when Elisha prayed that God would open his servant's eyes and he was surrounded by the enemy, do you remember what his servant, when his servant was coming in? I think his servant was making him a cup of coffee, a decaf or something. I don't drink coffee. I don't like coffee. It smells. But I think Elijah's servant was making him a cup of coffee. And he looked outside, and he seen the enemy coming against him, just rows and rows and rows of chariots and military men. And he ran in there and said, Elijah, I'm not finishing that cup of coffee. I'm heading out the back door. 
Why? I'm paraphrasing. Look at this army. And I said, Lord, they can hear God. And all of a sudden, they both seen the armies of God. Now listen, folks. I believe that we live in a world that if God didn't protect us, Satan would take us out. I believe there's demons living in this world, maybe in another dimension if you want to say that. Paul calls it spiritual wickedness in high places, principalities and powers in high places that would absolutely destroy us if they had a chance. Yet I am kept by the power of God through faith under my salvation. What a blessed hope. They can kill me. Big deal. What's happening after that? Going to glory. Hmm. All right, we're in. We greatly rejoice. For now, for a season, if need be, we're in heaviness through manifold or many trials. I have a living hope. I have an inheritance. I have an active hope. So, what have we learned today? Are you, today, ready to give an answer for the hope that is in you? Are you ready to give a verbal defense of the hope that is in you? According to Romans 5, I am justified by faith in Jesus Christ. And because of this truth, I have peace. Peace like a river. According to the letter of the Colossae Church, Paul says, by Christ's sacrifice, I am made holy. I am faultless. I am blameless. I am righteous in God's eyes. The righteousness of Jesus Christ has been imputed to me. I don't stand in my own righteousness, folks, because I don't have any. I stand in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. He is my righteousness. Titus 2, the hope that is in me is someday soon. Christ is coming back for me. This world's not my home. I don't believe it's yours either. 1 Peter 1, my hope is in when Christ does return, and he is. I will receive my inheritance, my eternal, my eternal retirement plan, if you will, my home in glory. So today, are you ready to give an answer to the hope that is in you? I pray today you've seen a central theme in which our hope is founded. Our hope is built on Christ and Christ alone. He is our hope. He is our peace. He is our security. He is our shelter. He is our salvation. He is our Savior. He is our King. He's our resurrection. He's our life. He's our Father. And He's our all in all. Christ is everything we need. And folks, He's coming back. He's coming back to get us one way or the other. It's a hope we have as believers based on our faith and trust in God. It's a hope that we know and believe will not disappoint. It's a hope that gives us a deep sense of joy and confidence. How can you have joy if you don't have hope? And confidence because it's a hope 
It was not built on us, but it's built on our faith in Jesus Christ. The hope within us. So a corner of hope, then you give a verbal defense of the hope that is in you. Maybe you're here today and you've lost that hope. Maybe you're here today and you're in a Christian rut. Anybody ever been in a Christian rut? I have. You ever been in one of those? Hard to get out of, but not impossible. Maybe you're here today and you're in a, you're in a Christian rut. Maybe it's time for you, if that's you, to come home. To come on home. I'm justified by faith in Jesus Christ. Therefore, I have peace. By Christ's sacrifice, I am made holy, faultless, and blameless. And my hope will be soon caused to come back from me, and I'll receive my inheritance. Folks, the way I read my Bible, you and I have a living, active hope. And sometimes, circumstances life, the enemy, whatever stomps or tries to stamp that hope out. I told Greg, I said, when I come, I'm going to try to encourage people. I hope I have. I hope I've encouraged the corner of hope to realize they have hope in Christ. This morning we're going to do an invitation. Marshall, are you ready? Uh, I don't know where Cody is, but I'll be here. Um, there he is. I will be here. And Cody apparently will be here. If you need to come and pray or talk to us or say, Pastor, I've lost that hope, help me to regain it. I will certainly pray with you. Father, we come to you this morning, and Lord, I, I pray for this church. Lord, I pray for Greg and Tim as they're sharing your word, Father, in Oxford and in Trenton. God, I pray that our people, your people, will come to realize the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Not just here on this earth, not just here in this life, but for all eternity. Lord, I pray for someone here today that's lost that hope, that they'll come and say, Rudy, pray for me. You've been there. I, I know you know what that's like. Pray for me. I want that hope. I want that joy back. Because without the hope of the Lord, we can't have joy. Lord, just, just have your way in this moment of meditation as we stand and sing. In Christ's name. Stand to your feet, please. Listen to the words of this song.
If you're thankful for the message and the messenger this morning, say amen. Amen. Thank you, brother, for being here and bringing the word. And we're so uh, excited again to have another spirit moved service tonight. So be here at 6 o'clock for that. And remember, if you can stay after to help us with the tables in the fellowship hall, that'd be wonderful. Uh, the choir, make sure you eat quickly and then come back for rehearsal. Anything else I missed? Awesome. All right, well, let's pray and we'll be dismissed. Lord, we're so grateful uh, for this revival service. We pray you continue to bless uh, the church and, and allow your spirit to move through the hearts of everyone here. Lord, if there's anyone here who does not know you as Savior, Lord, I pray they would take that invitation to heart and, and come home to you, Lord. Admit they're a sinner. Believe that you have died for them and that they would confess their sins. Lord, I pray that's uh, what some here today would confess even before they leave. Lord, I pray for our service tonight that you'd bless it in a mighty way as well, that the seed would be planted deep within fertile ground Lord, I pray for our church. I know there's many here that have sicknesses and ailments, uh, things they're going through, valleys they might be in right now. Lord, I pray you'd meet them where they're at. Let them know you're with them. Comfort them as only you can. Allow us to love them and pray for them as well. But Lord, you are the one that is the healer. You're the protector. You're the author, perfecter, and finisher of our faith. And Lord, we submit to you as the almighty one. So Lord, guide us, guard us, direct us as we leave, and bring us back safely this evening. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all. You're dismissed.